Well, as we've done the first couple weeks of this series, we're going to finish our time in the service uh, with some question and answer. And so um, Chad is going to continue um, sharing with us some more um, on the topic of suffering and injustice and these kinds of things. So Chad, the first thing is um, just kind of the common main question we ask when we come to this topic. Um, This question of, I'm still confused. Why, if God is good, why would he allow all of the bad things to happen that we see in the world today? It's, it's a tough question. It's a great question. It's, it's one of, historically, it's been one of the most challenging questions that has faced not just Christian theology, but just people in general. Why do bad things happen? I don't get it. I don't understand it. Why does suffering and evil exist? And especially when you believe in God. If, if God is all-powerful and if if God is good, then why do, why do bad things continue to happen? And say a few different things on this. Um, the first thing I'd say is that we need to be careful to avoid um, shallow cliches in this type of discussion. Um, suffering, sort of like what I said in this, in this uh, message, suffering and evil is kind of a mystery that we don't, we don't have as many answers for as we'd like to to believe. Um, But historically, theologians have answered this question in one of two, and oftentimes both ways. Uh, One way that theologians have answered this question um, is, as I mentioned in my sermon, that that God allows evil and suffering to exist for our ultimate discipline, for our ultimate good. So the bad things that happen, um, if we patiently endure them, God works them for our good. But the other answer that's typically given is uh, what's called an answer from free will, is that God gave, uh, God created us with the capacity to choose, and uh, we ch- sometimes we choose for what is right and for what is good, and oftentimes, quite oftentimes, we choose for what is evil and for what is bad, and so a lot of the suffering that exists is the consequence of that, of that choice. The follow-up question then is, well, why, why did God even give us the ability to choose? I mean, if we're going to choose for evil and if bad things are going to happen because of that, why did God even give us the ability to choose? And the way I like to illustrate this is, um, you know, like in a romantic comedy movie? Okay, so you've, you've seen these movies. Guys, admit it. You've seen these movies, right? So it's a romantic comedy movie, and these movies all kind of follow the same plot line. So a man and a woman, maybe when the movie first starts, they don't really understand each other. They don't really like each other. Maybe there's just downright animosity towards each other. But as the movie kind of develops, their relationship softens. uh, They become very close. And then by the end of the movie, there's a proposal and a marriage and a happily ever after, and we all smile and go home. Um, Well, imagine if the last scene of that movie unfolds this way. The couple comes back from their honeymoon They're coming into their first home, and they're enjoying a dinner together, just off of their honeymoon. And after they finish eating this nice meal together, the husband reaches behind the wife's head, opens up a control panel, and turns her off. How would that change your entire understanding of the movie to that point? Wouldn't the entire story of them falling in love, and wouldn't it all just become a fraud? It's all just fake. Well, if she was already programmed for this to happen, then none of that was real. None of that was legitimate. None of that was authentic. And the same is true with God 
God's relationship with us. God longs for us to choose for him, but he, ch- he chose to give us free will to choose for him or to choose against him because he wanted for that love to be real, to be authentic, rather than for us to be pre-programmed to always do this or to do that. So he, in his wisdom, he decided to give us free will as a result. Nice. Thank you, Chad. Um, another one here. Um, some people, you know, might have not had the opportunity perhaps to hear that answer or even hearing something like that just might be like, no, I'm choosing to be angry at God. Um, so this question is, what, what do I say to my friend who has already walked away from God because yeah. of her anger? Yeah, it, and it happens a lot, right? It happens a lot. I'm, I'm sure uh, some of you in this room right now, you have people in your lives, you can name them. You have people in your lives that have actually walked away from God for this exact reason. The suffering is just too great. I just, I feel like God, if God were there, God would care about me a lot more. If God were there, then this wouldn't have happened to me or to my loved. And so we just, like, we tap out. I'm done. I'm done with the whole God thing. I was having a conversation with a guy not too long ago. Um, His father, who was a minister, died 10 years ago. And ever since his father's death, he hasn't set foot in a church ever since. And, um, and has actually chosen to walk away from God altogether. Now he's like a very uh, loud and boisterous atheist. Um, and, but it all, it all goes back to this feeling of abandonment, this feeling of anger towards God. And, um, and my best recommendation to you, if, if you have people in your lives that are like that, um, just recognize this is not always an intellectual issue for them. Um, this, is, this is something that is deeply embedded in our emotions, in our will. Um, so you're not necessarily going to be able to argue them back into faith. The best approach that you could take is to continue to be a gospel presence in that person's life. To continue to show them what patient endurance looks like. To, comp- to continue b- to be that embodied message of the gospel, that this is what the gospel looks like. This is why it's real. Um, And if the time comes to have a conversation, just ask them this question. How much satisfaction and peace has your anger really bought for you? Because we all enjoy being angry for a season, right? Somebody cuts us off in traffic. We relish the opportunity to be angry. Don't, don't, don't fool yourself. We like it. We like being mad. We like being angry. Somebody offends us. Somebody does us wrong. There's a part of us that kind of relishes that anger and that bitterness. But over the long term, how does that anger really serve us? How does that anger really make our lives better? How does it, how does it lead to joy? How does it lead to peace? How does it lead to meaning? And so I would just ask that friend the question, what has, your, what has your anger really accomplished for you? How has that anger really made the pain and suffering, which still exists, by the way, your pain and suffering hasn't gone away, but how has your anger towards God helped anything? Yeah. So, Yeah, thank you. Um, got time. Let's just do one more here. Uh, and this one, I, I like to be able to end with this this morning because it kind of talks about our time of corporate worship here today, and um, and you talked about it, Chad, at the end of your sermon of this need sometimes to just grit our teeth and sing, "Great is Thy faithfulness," or "It is well with my soul." And so this yeah. 
um, is actually a statement. It says, I just don't know how to worship God when I'm angry at him. Yeah, and that's understandable. It's, it's tough. Uh, sometimes worship is the very last thing that we want to do. And it's interesting, so many people, when they're going through a, a dry and weary time, a time of anger, and just one of the very first things that happens is they withdraw from this. They withdraw from community, uh, which is really the very worst thing that you could do. Um, in Ephesians 5, Paul talks a little bit about worship, and he says, uh, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he goes on in that text to actually talk about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that it means is that we sing songs to each other. We sing psalms of praise to each other. And we ordinarily think, we think, well, worship is just, it's to God, right? It's just for God. It's not for me. It's just for God. And that's true. But there also is this element of worship where we do encourage one another through our songs that we sing, through our prayers that we pray. And so maybe, maybe the way to worship God in the midst of suffering and disappointment is to learn how to worship in silence. Even if you can't muster the, the, the will to sing the words yourself, even if you're having difficult, a difficult time expressing yourself in prayer, just to learn how to worship in silence within the community of believers. Hear those words that are sung. Hear those prayers that are prayed. And allow that worship to refocus you on a God who is ultimately faithful and a God who ultimately has our best uh, purposes in mind. So Chad, I want to start with this. Um, <laughs> is being mad or disappointed at the church the same as being mad or disappointed at God? Oh, uh, that's, that's a great question. Um, in, in my experience, the two oftentimes do coincide. The, the people that I've talked to that have walked away from God because of pain and disappointment in their lives, you get very far into the conversation, what you discover is a lot of that pain and disappointment is attributed back to the church. Uh, so I was in a church that abused me. I was in a church that didn't care for me. Um, so there is this association between the church and with God. And what I would say about that is, um, frankly, the church is not perfect. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. You know, if we were perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus. Um, and so the church is, at times, we, at times, are going to disappoint each other. And we're going to let each other down. And we're going to do, unfortunately, we're going to, at times, do things that hurt each other, sometimes hurt each other deeply. Um, and that's part of learning grace. That's part of learning forgiveness, is that you are a target of God's grace, as am I. And we desperately need Jesus because we are so flawed, because we are so broken. And I would just get, if, if this is true for any of you in the room, I would just give you this encouragement. Your disappointment in the church is not the same thing as disappointment with God. God's people are always going to fall short of that absolute perfection. And that's why we desperately need a God who has offered us grace and forgiveness. Amen. That's a great word, Chad. Thank you. Um, here's the next one. A lot, a lot of us have people in our lives that uh, are struggling with this anger, with different things. And so this question is, what would you tell someone who is so mad at the terrible things happening in the world that they doubt God's very existence? 
Yeah, I was, I was having a conversation recently with, with a man who, um, 10 years ago, uh, his dad died, and his dad was a preacher, and ever since that time, he hasn't set foot in a church again, um, and is now a very outspoken and boisterous atheist, um, and uh, that's, that's true for a, a good number of people. Now, now, there's actually two different things going on here, though. There's, there's in, intellectual issues, uh, but there's also emotional issues. Um, and so I've learned that you don't engage an emotional issue with an intellectual argument because um, it, it just doesn't, uh, it doesn't have any effect. And so I, w- I would just, uh, I guess I would counsel you, if, if you have someone in your life that's walking away from God because of pain, because of suffering, because of just the evil that exists in this world, and I can't reconcile it with the existence of God, I would say first and foremost, commit yourself to being a gospel presence in that person's life. Uh, be for them a model of what grace looks like, a model of what hope looks like. B- continue to be that gospel presence in their life without arguing, without nagging, without just continue to be that gospel presence in their life. Show them what love looks like. Show them what the gospel looks like. Now, if the time comes for a harder conversation um, with that person, here's, here's one of the questions that I would ask. I would just ask the question, what true satisfaction has your anger really purchased for you? Now, we all enjoy being angry for a season. Let's not fool ourselves. We relish it, right? I mean, somebody cuts us off in traffic. For just that moment in time, we really enjoy our anger. Don't, or, okay, maybe I'm the only one. Um, we we kind of secretly like being mad. It's, it's a nice outlet. It just satisfies us for that moment in time. But over the long run, when we hold on to that anger, that resentment, that bitterness, what does it really purchase for us? What good does it really do for us? So you walk away from God because suffering exists. Well, listen, suffering still exists. It's not as if you, you close God out, all of a sudden everything's dandy in the world. No, suffering still exists. Suffering exists in your life and around the world. All you've done is made it meaningless. Now there's no hope. Now there's no ultimate peace to be found. And so I would just ask the question, does walking away from God ultimately really solve anything in the long run? I would argue that it doesn't. Thank you. That's fantastic. I like this one that's just come in. It's interesting you just talked about that peace. This person says, I have experienced a lot of pain. I've been angry with God a lot, and he has always gotten me through it. However, I can't enjoy the good moments I do have because I'm so scared that I'm about to suffer again. So how should I find the peace that I'm searching for? Gosh, that's a great great question. So how do we find, well, there's there's a truism in that statement. The, The truism is, that times of, I'll just call them desert periods of our lives, times of difficulty, times of trial, we're either coming out of one or getting ready to go into one. Um, And so that's just the reality of our lives. That's the reality of our experiences. And um, I guess I would would say this. Um, Paul says um, in Ephesians, he talks about how important it is to be grounded so that we're not tossed back and forth by the waves of this world, by the waves of our lives. So we're not bobbing along the surface, but we're grounded in something deeper. 
and I, I would say that this is a great opportunity for all of us to, to really grow in the things of our faith, to grow in the convictions of our faith, to grow in what we know and why do we know it, um, so that those times of difficulty that inevitably will come, they're far less jarring because we've steeled ourselves to the things that the gospel has taught us. And so I would say for all of us, uh, not just for the person that asked the question, but for all of us, this, this is the need for us to continually grow deeper in our faith so that we're not constantly thrown off balance every time a difficulty arrives. Great. Fantastic. One, one last question I want to touch on, and you uh, got to this towards the end of your sermon um, and just a little, a little deeper on it is you talked about there's just times when we just have to grit our teeth and, and sing, great is thy faithfulness, yeah. or, ugh, okay, but it is well with my soul. Yeah. So how, like, how do we worship God when we are angry at yeah. him? I just find it so fascinating that great is thy faithfulness. It, it's almost like you can only appreciate the faithfulness of God from the midst of that deep, dark sorrow. You know, I just find that so fascinating. And it is, it is hard. It's, it's hard to worship God. I mean, some of you, I know, are experiencing that even this morning. You got out of bed this morning, like, I do not want to go to church. I don't want to stand there. I don't want to sing the songs that that curly-haired guy is going to lead us in. I just, I'm not, I'm not feeling it today. And, I, and all of us can identify with that. You're not, you're not unique in that feeling. Worship, you'll go through seasons of your life where worship is just really hard. Sometimes you don't even know why it's hard. It's just like, I don't know what's going on right now, but it's just, I don't know. I, that, it's just hard right now. Um, and what I've, what I've experienced and what I've observed is for people that are going through times of difficulty in their lives, the very first thing to go is oftentimes this. It's the, it's the very first thing that goes. Because it's just so hard. It's so painful to be around a community of believers and to sing songs of worship when I'm just, I'm just not there right now. But that's exactly the thing that we need. It's exactly the thing that we need. The medicine that we need is oftentimes the medicine that we avoid. Um, and so I would just encourage you, if you're, how do you learn to worship in times of difficulty and sorrow? Um, maybe a first step would be learning how to worship in silence. Um, there's this great passage in Ephesians where Paul talks about singing songs to one another. Singing psalms and spiritual songs of worship to one another. And we oftentimes think of worship as being solely directed towards God. So worship is for God, it's not for me. We've heard that a lot, and, and that's true. Worship is for God. Um, but there's also this element, though, where worship is for each other. Where we, we're together corporately in this body, and we hear the songs that are being sung. We hear it in our ears. We hear the prayers that are being prayed. We hear the message that's being preached. And all of that has an effect of encouraging one another. And so if you're having trouble worshiping God in the midst of your frustration and disappointment, maybe a first step is just learning how to worship in silence and to, to just pay attention to what's being said. Hear those words of encouragement all around you. Um, might be a good first step. That's great. Thank you, Chad, so much. Um, and, and we do want to thank you for this morning both sharing um, a tough uh, biblical truth with us and for also working into that part of your own story and something that's very vulnerable for you. So thank you for um, doing that today.